When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey hon, it's me, Danielle. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of From Hunts to Humans. I am here with Valerie today, and I'm so excited. We've had such a good conversation offline, um, and so much of it, I was like, wait, we should talk about this on the podcast. So I'm really excited. I think this is going to be an awesome conversation. Um, and Valerie is also a recruiter in her real life, real person job, not a scam. So um, I'm hoping that eventually we'll get to the point where we can talk about the difference between uh, MLM recruiting versus like being a recruiter. So that will be a fun part. I'm just really excited. We have so many things to talk about. Hi, Valerie. Hello. (laughs) Hi. Thanks for that introduction. That was good. (laughs) Thanks. You know, just word vomiting all of the things (laughs) that I learned about you in the last five minutes. Um, (laughs) So what... How were you introduced to MLMs? How, like, what what got you on this journey for you to end okay. up in my inbox? <laughs> All right. So let's uh, dive deep into the deep end, shall we? So I was newly graduating college. So it was 2018. And when you are graduating college, it is like the hardest transition into the real world because one, I'm very indecisive. So I still didn't even know what I was doing. Um, and you're broke and <laughs> scared. And so I had also, uh, and I just want to go ahead and put all my trigger warnings out here. Um, trigger warning, sexual assault, trigger warning, probably slight eating disorder, disordered eating, um, for the future of this episode. So if any of those topics are super sensitive, please listen at your own risk or don't listen, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I didn't even think to ask you beforehand. Usually I'll go back and add the trigger warnings at the, like in a separate little thing, but yeah, very good point. So I'll just say my thing here too, where I just say, you know, if today's not the day for you to handle those topics, like it's okay, no shade, you can come back later or just skip this episode entirely. Yeah. It's absolutely okay for you to protect your mental health and know what is going to affect you in a not so great light for today and whatever, whatever you need to do, you need to do. And that's okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that and like making sure that we like hit those points because it's very important. Also, I wanted to say like, you're so right. Like that transition from going to college to like being an adult adult, like you are an adult in college, but like we don't treat people in college like they're adults for whatever reason 
um, you know, because we're in that transitional age group. But I remember too when I was like, that's when I started. That's when I started my first uh, MLM. Mm. And it's really tempting because you are at college and most of us have like really cool, like college friend groups that are very clicky and like, you just feel very safe. And like, it's like your own little like family. And then you leave and you're like, oh no, I don't get to see my friends every single day. I can't just walk down the hall and knock on their door. So what better place to go than a commercial cult? (laughs) my new friends yeah so uh it's a very vulnerable state of your life um and on top of that transition I had just been sexually assaulted for the second time um and you know pressing charges for the second or not the second time but for the first time I was pressing charges and obviously we know how that goes um so yeah so it wasn't good thank you for sharing that and also um that's so scary. Like having to press charges, like people don't really talk about that. So are you open to kind of talking about that a little bit? Yeah. yeah, A little bit of a pivot here from MLM, because this is obviously a, such an important topic. Um, and like I told you before, I love to take any opportunity to talk about mental health stuff in whatever category we're, (laughs) we're in. Um, so like for someone that has, like, if somebody is listening that hasn't gone through that, can you like maybe give just a little bit of an overview of like what that process is like oh, and yeah. how isolating it feels? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the actual like assault itself, I had been drinking cause college and I was asleep. And so when it happened, I kind of woke up and I was like, oh, I must've like drunkenly decided to do this. Um, and then my friends the next morning, they were like, there's no way you hooked up with a value or asleep. And I was like, oh, okay. So he had like tried to like take me on, like ask me out on a date the next day. It was like very disgusting. He apologized. He tried to like offer to clean my house for a year. It was like just awful things that he was saying. And I uh, immediately went to like, go get a rape kit done at one of the, it's called live safe. It's a um, domestic violence and sexual assault center where I'm like located. And so they helped me do the rape kit, which if you've never done one before, it's extremely violating. They have to swab you up, take pictures of every inch of your body unclothed. Um, and they were very nice though. They like gave me Gatorade and Doritos and I was like, it's the little things, you know? So (laughs) So, um, when you go to a safe place and get that done, it is very, um, it's still violating in itself, but they were very comforting. They made it known that they were here to help me not, you know, crucify me and blame me. Cause that had happened in the past, it's a whole nother story. And so, uh, it's just a very violating process. And so after that, they kind of keep the evidence there and you have, um, I think, six months to decide if you want to press charges against the perpetrator. And I had waited 30 days um, because when you're in that state of shock, you don't understand what you want. Like I was sitting there telling him, oh, you know, you're off the hook, kid, like whatever. But then like 30 days later, I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) this guy sucks. Like, you know, he deserves to get what he deserves. And So I went to the cops and I happened to be in a very small town 
where the cops are all um, old white men. (laughs) And so they just kind of automatically assumed that I was lying. And then the detective was trying to like collect all this evidence and do interviews and all this stuff. Meanwhile, um, he, the perpetrator was just doing his intern at the college police station, going into the military and all these things. And so he didn't have to say a word to the cops. Like he legit got a lawyer, got a private investigator against me to make like crucify me, make me look bad and find out what I'm doing. And meanwhile, I'm like trying to cope. And when you're in college and you're in a vulnerable vulnerable state, you're going to be probably drinking. And that's what I was doing, um, which was super unhealthy, but it is what it is. Um, And then eventually, like years later, they just kind of closed it. It was last year. They just like closed the case. Um, And I tried to like get to the DA um, to like see what we can do. And she like acted like she was going to help me and she was going to, you know, try to find something we can, you know, maybe press charges with. And then she decided to just ignore me. So yeah. So for anyone who has not experienced that, it is very like, it feels like you, it's you against the world. And so I did feel incredibly isolated, even though I had like a good support system. I had my friends, I had my boyfriend and um, all these people, my family to support me. It was still feeling like I was against everyone else. So I'm not sure if that answers your question. I kind of went on a tangent, but <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And thank you for being so open um, about it, because like I said, a lot of people have a hard time talking about this and it's something that um, is really scary and isolating to go through. So thank you so much. Um, so it sounds like too, like he really tried to like, like butter you up afterwards. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I did something bad, but like, I'm going to make it up to you. He just, yeah, he felt he was scared because uh, he was going into the military and he was starting his internship at the college police station. And I didn't even know that piece of information until last year. Like my friend looked at his LinkedIn and she was like, you realize he was like interning at the police station when this happened. And I was like, oh, no, I did not know that. So clearly he knew somebody or whatever. Maybe his daddy paid for a really good lawyer, which he did. Like my, the detective was like, the detective was on my side pretty much the whole time. But he was like, I hate to say this, but he got a really good lawyer. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just ridiculous because like, for anyone that's like listening and the going on the other side of this being like, oh, well, like he was trying to make it up to you, blah, 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 blah. Um, first of all, we don't need that here. Second of all, like just because you're trying to like make something up doesn't mean that you shouldn't be held accountable for it, especially if it's something that you could potentially do to something, somebody else. Yeah. Um, and like, this isn't like, he stole your cookies. Like, (laughs) you know, like this isn't something that you can just be like, let me 
let me do this thing for you to like make up for what I did. Like, that's not how that works. If when, you're <laughs> like going around assaulting people like that, that's not okay. When I told the, t- the, te- uh, the detective that he offered to clean my house for a year, his face was priceless. He was just like, I mean, like, why would I want to see his ass? <laughs> no, exactly. Like, that just sounds so, um, it, it sounds like a recipe for disaster. Like, um, imagine if you were just like, yeah, you know what? You can do that. Like, um, like just imagine. Because yeah. you, he would have so much access to you and so much potential control yeah. over you. Like, he has mm-hmm. access to your belongings. He has access to you. Yeah. Like, yeah, what? absolutely. So, yeah. And also, oh, my gosh, I had a thought in my head and it's gone. Um what was I going to say? Okay. So he, um, oh my gosh, it left my brain. Oh, I'm no. so sorry. <laughs> okay. So he, so they closed the case because they said, quote, not enough evidence to support my claim. And, um, those text messages from the next day is him apologizing for, doing it and so I just want to say like anyone who has gone through this you're not alone like I know that they try to come up with it literally anything like one sentence that I said to him incriminated me and made it to where they could just like close the case so if you are dealing with this I am so sorry (laughs) but like you do you have other people who have gone through it? Like you can literally DM me and talk to me. I will be your friend. I will like be your support system, but um, it's, it's super incriminating and you feel like you are a criminal. Like you feel like you did something wrong when you absolutely didn't. Like it is not your fault, no matter what you did to get yourself in that situation. It doesn't matter. You, you can't, th- you can't consent to something when you're under the influence of anything And, like, people forget about that all the time, especially because, like, marijuana and alcohol are so often just, like, used regularly. I mean, I guess, and cocaine, too. Like, like, I find out so often that people use cocaine that I never would know. I, like... Oh, my God, same. I did not know that was going to be something I ran into as an adult. Like... I I had no idea that I would just, like, all of a sudden be like, oh, you're doing cocaine. Okay. I'm like, where do you guys even get this? seriously I'm just like I am very naive about like other drugs I guess and like all of a sudden I'll just find out that people do that and I'm like oh people just do this okay (laughs) um no idea yeah I don't know um so I I guess those are kind of like the I mean I guess there are a lot more now that I'm thinking about I'm getting on a tangent that doesn't matter but anyways um drugs are real and drugs do not make it so you can consent and I think people really forget about that especially in the college scene like oh yeah I feel like there was no time in my life where I was drinking more than in college and I didn't understand what was happening and I like don't like it's it's just like you're in such a vulnerable state and most people in college are in this point from like 18 to 25 mm-hmm. where your frontal lobe isn't fully developed so that's like the part of your brain that helps you make decisions and all yeah. this stuff so you're like 
all, at all of the disadvantages because you're drinking and you don't have that fully developed frontal lobe. So you just have like all of the biology stacked against you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. And I, I just feel like everyone always thinks that rape comes from people who are intentionally drugging you or like in a dark alley. And it's like, that has never, not never, that is rarely the case when it comes to like a college town and like just in the drinking scene in general, like it, it can happen just because like, you're not able to literally, you're not able to say no. And even if you like were coerced until into having sex with somebody, like that's still, that's still rape. I'm sorry, but like, no, absolutely. Coercion. So like, this kind of slides us into ML back to towards MLM, right? Like coercion is such a sneaky thing and it really, it's it's manipulation and when you don't really realize what you're doing and you're being talked into something it's so messy because like is it your fault is it not your fault and also I just want to circle back to too like you were asleep yeah like (laughs) you were you were asleep my friends had been like feeding me bread and water because I had gotten too drunk obviously and he was like, he saw that happen and then still thought that like me laying there was, you know, an invitation. I, I'm like, first off, I'm like drooling. Like, <laughs> how is that attractive? Like, do you really? <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, but I mean, it goes into like the MLM conversation circling back. Um, sorry if that was really hard to listen to for anyone, but um, it's very important for this part of the story because I ended up. And like, they're not the same, obviously they are completely different issues, but I was one of those people who was using my sexual assault experience to gain people onto my team, to get people to buy from me. And it's sickening looking back on it. But at the time it felt like I was making a difference and I was helping people quote, helping people, but it absolutely wasn't. And like, I have it's taken me about two to three years to come to terms with this and to even be okay with talking about this. So, so I I would love to comment on this if you don't mind. Like, so when we're talking about MLMs and like when people do things like use their mental health or traumatic experiences to sell MLM products, Obviously, when we're talking about people who are actively in and actively using their stories like that, we're talking about it from them being the, um, what's it called? The, (laughs) the person, the, the bad, the bad guy. (laughs) Um, uh, I can't think of the word. You guys get what I'm saying. Like the bad, the bad person. We're talking about the perpetrator. The perp. Yeah. The perpetrator. Um, the villain, the whatever, whatever you want to call them, like they're, they're at that point doing something wrong. But when we do finally get out and we're able to like recover and heal, you in that moment are also a victim of like, when you are actively doing that thing, you are also the victim and you're the perpetrator all at the same time. So us as the anti-MLM community, when we're talking about it, we're looking at it very much from the perpetrator side. And now once you're out, we're able to really examine it from the victim side of like, 
first of all, um, there, there's a line of oversharing your trauma where it's a trauma response Mm -hmm. and also it's you having control over your story. So only you and like maybe your therapist can really say where that line is for you. And if you're kind of like oversharing for like control in like a I'm not healed way, or if you're sharing your story with control, with purpose, with um like, you know, knowledge of what you're doing. Um, so like it's a very thin line. So like people that are criticizing people for sharing their story really need to take a step back because it's none of our places to say um like what is happening there obviously pivoting to mlm that's manipulative it's not okay um i'm really proud of you for coming forward and saying that here because it it's so hard to talk about and i'm just so happy that you're here to share this side of your story with us because it's something that we do see a lot but we don't get a lot of people that are brave enough to come forward and be like yeah I did that yeah and I think that's the first time I've ever said it out loud so I'm very proud of myself I'm so proud of you (laughs) yes like you know we've in MLM we've all done some pretty like shady shit Mm -hmm. um and like like my like my sister has autism and like I tried to get my sister to use like the probiotics that I was on. Mm-hmm. I never like thought it was going to cure her, but I was like, maybe this can help her. And like, I yeah. feel so scummy about that. Yeah. Like, and I've talked about that in previous episodes. So like, I'm not going to go all the way down that rabbit hole, but yeah. Anyways, back to you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But it's so true. I mean, you like, don't really realize what you're doing at the time. You genuinely think you're helping. Like yeah. you're, you're genuinely convinced that you are doing something good. And I used that power to make myself feel better and to heal and deal with my problems. And like psychologically from a psychology perspective, um, when you help people, you feel better. And like, there's genuinely no, like studies have shown there is no selfless act in the world. You cannot tell me that there's a self selfless act ever because psychologically it's to benefit your own brain and it's to make yourself feel good about yourself. And so that kind of psychology was like giving my brain the boost to be like, oh, I'm doing something good with what happened to me. And so I genuinely thought I was helping other people because I felt like it was helping me by helping others. And it's just this cycle that keeps going and going and going. But I like, and that's okay. Like, I just want to like put a, a like asterisk here. Like that's okay. That like both parties benefit from something like yeah. it ultimately like in the MLMs or the anti-MLM space, I should say, we talk a lot about like transactional relationships, all relationships in our life are transactional. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, are you being mutually transactional? Like for instance, like you're on this podcast, obviously this is my podcast and like, it benefits me to have people come forward and tell their stories because I get to put out new episodes and that's exciting. Um, but also this should be beneficial to you because you get the opportunity to share your story with a new audience or for the first time, whoever, you know, wherever somebody is. Um, and like that, the hope is that like you are also getting the benefit of like 
I get to share this. I get to get this off my chest. And like, for some people, I really do encourage it to be like a, you know what, it's out there. And now you don't have to hold that on your own anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I have talked about it in the, like, obviously like on my page, I make jokes about it and stuff every once in a while when I feel the, the push to do it, but I have not like sat and talked about it before. Um, my friend and I, we have a podcast that I'll drop at the end, but, um, we, we were both in MLMs. And so we have been gaining the courage over the past couple of years to talk about it, but we never fully dove into the topic. And so we took a year off pretty much from our podcast, just because we had a lot of healing to do from the MLM space. And, um, so it, it does feel good to talk about it because now I'm like above the trees now that I'm like, you know, been able to process everything. And it just feels good to know that like either someone who is maybe thinking about getting out of their MLM or someone who is considering getting into an MLM might hear my story and be like, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I also really think that you're going to touch a lot of people who are afraid to talk about this, like part of their story where they used something that was really traumatic in their lives to sell their product. Yeah. So yeah. So what ended up happening? How were you like using your experience to sell? Oh, right. <laughs> I feel like I've gone on this huge tangent. Okay. You so went on a big old circle <laughs> <laughs> circling back. So, uh, so I had seen a girl who ended up being my upline post on Instagram, like, you know, get yourself fit and help others. And I was like, okay, I want to do both of those things. So I went to the sneak peek on Facebook. And if you're not familiar with like what they do, but they, they do like a one or two day sneak peek on Facebook. And so you have to get into this exclusive group and you get to talk to all these new girls that are also considering getting in it. And the person running it shares their story. And she had shared the stuff that she has gone through. I'm not going to, it's not my business to share, but, um, she had shared like stuff that she was going through. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like she's hurting too. And like, I totally relate to that. Like if this made her feel good, this will make me feel good. And so, sorry. So her first, so your first experience with like an MLM and like starting to be recruited was someone sharing their trauma to manipulate you. Yeah. And I, and I genuinely don't think she was conscious of what she was doing. It's the same thing that I was doing to other people. Like she genuinely wanted to help other people. And I, I still believe that because I have no hard feelings towards her as a person, um, for anything, like any part of this. And so, um, anyways, so yeah, I was like, if that has made her feel good, this will make me feel good. And I signed up almost immediately. Like it was like, no doubt about it. This is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to dive in. And so I put down my $160 on my credit card and I was like, okay, let's do this. And so me and, um, a girl that we became like pretty close with, and we still talk a lot. So, so, um, it actually ended up being like a genuine friendship, but we were both in that sneak peek at the same time. And we talked about it later. We were like, we both thought that we could just like use the products and then make money off of it. That's the understanding that we had. We did not know we'd have to recruit. We did not know we'd have to um, sell anything as hard as like we ended up having to do. 
And so we both were like, what the hell were we thinking? Like we legit thought we could just use these products and then make money. <laughs> right. Well, that's, well, so for anyone that hasn't figured it out yet, we're talking about Beachbody. Oh yes. Beachbody. Um, so, and that's the thing, especially with Beachbody, I see this all the time of you just need to show people that you're working out and show people that you're drinking the shakes and show people that you're using the energize. And, you know, if you're really re- legit, show people you're using the recover, show people you're using the hydrate, you show did all of that <laughs> using all of this stuff and mm-hmm. they're all just going to come to you. They're just going to want to know what you're doing and they're going to want to be part of it. And like, sure, on some level, that's true. Like, you know, that's, there are going to be people that are like, okay, like I'm really interested. We live in this toxic diet culture, bullshit society where, you know, we're told that we have to be skinny to be beautiful and to be worthy. Mm -hmm. So obviously for a company like Beachbody that really hits the physical like part of wellness and the nutritional part of wellness, like what a monopoly because you manipulate so much through that. And it Um, does, it takes over your entire brain and relationship with your body And like, that's another part of what I wanted to bring up today was how much recovery I am still doing from how, from the relationship it built with myself. Like, not only did I manipulate other people into like using the products, but I continued to like manipulate myself over and over and over because of the physical appearance aspect. And it was like, if you're not doing the things, if you're not getting results, you're not doing enough. Like that's what was told to us all the time. Like if you're not working out every day, if you're not drinking the shakes every day, then obviously you're not like, that's why you're not making money. And so when that is told to you for three years, cause I was in it for three years, um, that is pretty bad. Like we were told you will have results every seven days. And if you're not taking pictures and showing your body every seven days. Oh my God. And so like on my phone still, I have so many like before and after pictures of me just like in a sports bra or in leggings, like trying to like, you know, look skinny and like, you can't have major results in seven days. No. And so for anyone that, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I have two comments to make on this one healthy weight loss is typically between half a pound to like a pound a week, maybe two pounds uh, for like someone that has more weight to lose, like, but healthy, sustainable weight loss, you're really looking at half a pound a, a week, mm-hmm. um, which you're not going to notice a half a pound a week gone until, you know, a, a good, probably maybe like two or three months. Um, mm-hmm. And also, what we've learned from other episodes is that the super trainer, not the, well, probably the super trainers too, but like the like big top coaches, they were doing extra like workout and nutrition plans and things like that on the side. They yeah. were doing like workouts outside of the beach body workouts, but they also allegedly, uh, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> they allegedly also, um, do their own nutrition programs. Like a lot of them will, it's just very, very, very unhealthy, unsustainable programs. Um, so I won't really go into detail about what they are again. Um, but like 
they do all of this extra stuff, but then advertise it as just doing the beach body workouts and drinking the shakes. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it un- absolutely unsustainable for somebody like you who's yeah. just going in and doing exactly what you're told. And <sighs> yeah. And like, and even now, and because like I was looking for results every seven days and I, I tried to come at it with like a body positive perspective, which you kind of can't do, which so makes no sense, but I was trying, you know, I'll give it to me. I tried. And so I was like, okay, I don't weigh myself. I don't measure myself. I just take pictures because obviously if you're taking care of yourself, you're going to see a physical change. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I kept telling myself. And so even now, like, like I tried on a dress yesterday for a wedding I'm in and I was like, okay, I can see my like lower stomach. And I'm like, okay, so like, I can't get this dress because you can see I have a little more stomach and it's like, yeah, because you have a body and you have a belly button and you have like, yeah, organs. Yeah. (laughs) You have a uterus that sits there and that's why it like comes out a little bit like fun fact. Right. So I was like telling, uh, like my boyfriend and my friend, I was like, so is this like, like a, you know just a me thing or is it like actually like poking out and they're like I don't even know what you're talking about (laughs) so yeah so yeah stuff like that I'm like that the MLM that I was beach body like really fucked with my brain and it fucked with like my relationship with my body and my food and there was one time where and I think about this moment all the time because it's so sad thinking back I was so into the nutrition plan and we were told over and over, you got to stick with the plan. If you don't stick with the plan, you're not going to get results. If you don't get results, you're not going to get new people on your team. You're not going to sell it. Nobody wants to be with somebody who is not following the meal plans because obviously you have to be a product of the product. Mm -hmm. And I had gone on vacation and there was a restaurant we went to that was all fried food. and. Me now, I'm like, hell yes. (laughs) But me then, I ate the fried food and I cried after. And I was telling my boyfriend, like, I just, I can't, like, I wasn't able to eat any vegetables. I wasn't able to, like, you know, have any, any fresh food with that meal. It was so fried. And I was crying and, like, I've had a few drinks. So, like, I was a little emotional, but I should not have been so heartbroken over eating fried food like it wasn't even it was like a kid's meal size it was not even like a lot of food and so I think back to that moment all the time because I just feel so bad for that girl who like legit thought I could become this millionaire by not eating fried food wow like it's so messed up it's just so messed up and so and I feel like nobody really talks about that part of it because I mean it's a hard topic to, to cover but also like I don't think a lot of people are realizing how damaging it is to the psyche <laughs> like yeah it, so. it really is and like it's so interesting you know i the more I learn about like cult like other cults and like what happens in them and then hear stories like this I'm like wow and it's so interesting too because you know in these other and this is why people like kind of put 
MLMs in like the quotation quote category because of what I'm about to say, which is there isn't necessarily like this leader that we're like in direct contact with all the time. Like there, we're not like, we're not in contact with Keith Veneri from Nexium, like, you know, for to be our like head person. Um, like you have your upline or maybe your upline's upline who's, you know, kind of barking orders at you, but like, we're all just kind of like worshiping this like faceless God in MLM. And it's really weird. It's so weird. And so my uplines upline actually was like the number one coach last year or oh, wow. one of them. I can't, I, I don't know. I don't keep up with it that much, but um, so she, I mean, she is like her and her husband millionaires, so rich. And so almost every day I had this woman who is pretty, has like her husband doing it with her, has all this money and nice house. Like they were building like their vacation home at the time. And so like when you have somebody who is that successful with it, talking to you on like a weekly basis, not to me directly, because she was like, she had so many people on her team. Um, But like hearing from her on a, a weekly basis and having her say, um, you know, you have to have results every seven days. You have to, and, and this is why I don't feel kind of like, I don't feel any negative feelings towards my upline because she didn't say a lot of those things. Like a lot of those things were told to me from her upline. And so we were kind of in it together. And like, I, I, we still kind of talk. So, um, you know, I have no negative feelings towards her. I love looking at her life and everything. So, um, but yeah, it was just, it was just like, we were all worshiping her. Right. And it's like, no, she wasn't like the leader of Beachbody, but she was successful with it as far as money. (laughs) Right. And so like, it's, and it's hard to say too, because like, So first of all, like, you know, this is a topic that I haven't really covered on the podcast, but, and also something I don't know the most about because I'm not rich, but, (laughs) um, you know, we kind of know that people who have money, uh, the part of the reason that they have money is because they invest their money and like create more money with their investments. Um, so like, there's such a good chance that either her or her husband already had money and invested it. And that's why they are where they are today, or they're in excruciating amounts of debt. Um, you know, there is like, cause we've looked at the compensation plan and like, you know, these compensation plans are very unrealistic of the lifestyles that are actually being portrayed. So even though it looks like a lot of money, the chances of them actually, um, net like, income wise having as much money as there is very slim because they're probably spending a lot of it on the multi-level marketing business like their internal pyramid Mm -hmm. um and yeah kind of lost my train of thought there but like just like it's so fake is essentially the moral of the story that like I wish that we could get into like somebody's like bank accounts like that and just like actually see what's going on because I'm sure there are like you know the point zero 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 one percent who actually are making like a lot of money from uh MLMs and like it's all from the MLM, but um I really think that a lot of times the money is coming from outside places. Yeah, definitely. And like I've noticed that she has she started 
doing kind of like side hustles from the MLM. So like YouTube channel, like, and then she started doing some kind of business. I can't remember what it is, like a book or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So I'm noticing that she's, she's trying to get more and more stream, streams of income. And I kind of had just have a feeling that it's because she knows the MLM is not going to last forever, you know, like deep down inside, whether she admits it or knows it consciously or not. Like, I think she knows that that part is not going to last forever. So how can I create more streams of income to rely on once this goes away? Yeah. MLMs are a money grab. And eventually at some point, as people start to become more and more aware, they're going to die out. And also like what Gen Z is like very much educated and they are not I'm not stupid. <laughs> I don't think that I think that as um I think I actually saw an article on this or maybe one of my friends was talking about it or something but um there we're waiting to see what happens when Gen Z starts to like hit college age because mm-hmm. they are going to end up breaking this cycle I think as like the boomers and the Gen X like fall out of MLMs and millennials are starting to speak out more and more and more about it. So we're going to see these younger generations not even join. Yeah. And I just can't wait to see. I'm just going to be sitting next to the dumpster fire clapping. (laughs) And when I was in it, I was like, I mean, people turn 18 every day. That's new potential clients. Like, oh my God. And so the argument of, well, eventually the world's like, you won't have customers and coaches to join you my argument was like well people turn 18 every day so yeah that's new people that can join me but like what the fuck (laughs) right so yes I'm very excited to see Gen Z not not do MLMs because I feel like millennials in me as a millennial I definitely kept them in business you know like I fell for I drank the Kool-Aid I you know thought it was like this wonderful I mean if you think about it who wouldn't want to have that kind of life where you're working from home, you have unlimited money opportunity, like, you know, so they say. (laughs) The concept of your job and you making money is you taking care of yourself is honestly amazing. Like, like for an able-bodied person, especially, um, like we're really saying like, you know, like, okay, like you can just, you can just sit back take care of yourself, eat good foods mm-hmm. and, you know, share your story and you're going to make money. That's amazing. Who yeah. would do that? Exactly. I can barely take care of myself as a person as it is. <laughs> so like, if that can be my job instead of my job being my job, like awesome. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. So I thought it was a great opportunity. And like with all the crap I was going through, I was like, wow, like, you know, cause I, I went into social services after college too. So that's not a lot of money. Um, like you're not going to make a lot of money in social services. And so I was like, what a great way to supplement my career doing it on the side. And then I obviously wasn't making enough money. And on top of that was spending money on my MLM. And so then I moved into like the corporate space and I had like real money and I was like, oh my gosh, I can use this real money to supplement my, to feed my beach body career. And eventually I'll be able to quit corporate and 
do MLM for the rest of my life and just have so much more money. Like, and oh my God. And so, there's so much to say about this too, because they talk about the pyramid scheme aspect. And when you're in, in an MLM, you're constantly defending the pyramid scheme thing. Mm-hmm. And I, my argument was like, well, I work in corporate and I work for my manager and they work for their manager. Right. And right. it goes up to the CEO. It looks like a pyramid. Okay. Right. Like if you look into, into workday, if you can see the map, it leads up to the CEO. It's a pyramid. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, right. yeah, because that's how the, the business is sustainable because you have people to go up to and they have responsibilities to go up to the next person. It's not money though. Like it's not money filtering down. It's like, and yeah, there's CEOs who are like really fucked up and money hungry and, you know, whatever, but like, it's not the same. It is completely different. It's it's so different. It's so different. And it's really hard to like explain it. Um, so people understand it too. So I appreciate you talking about it because it's just like, like it's, it's not about the shape of the company. It is about how the money travels through the organization is what makes a pyramid scheme, a pyramid scheme. Um, there are some, uh, anti-MLM creators who are really good at explaining this. I am not one of them. I don't think, (laughs) but, um, essentially in an MLM, what we're seeing is like, if you look at the pyramid as like, um, like you're watching the money flow up and like as the money's flowing up on each tier, it like ticks off just like a small increment of money that is just enough to like get that like dopamine receptor hit to be like, I'm doing it. So yeah. like it's literally just like that rat in a cage pressing a button. And that's that's what you're getting is just enough to keep mm-hmm. you thinking that you're doing something. Um, where all of the money is actually just going straight through to the top. And like, it's just the littlest bits that are coming out throughout the pyramid itself. Whereas in a corporation, the money all goes to the top and then funnels down. So like it takes the money and, and the CEO, essentially the CEO isn't actually the person that does this, but like the CEO takes the money and says, okay, well, I'm going to give myself a paycheck and I'm going to pay the billers and I'm going to pay my CFO and I'm going to pay these people. I'm going to pay the managers. And then I'm going to put this much money aside for the business. Yeah. Like that's how that works. But like in a, in a regular business, obviously like in like maybe retail or something like that, you are getting like the bottom people are directly being handed the money, but they're never, it, it doesn't touch their pocket or there. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's not the same. Yeah. So it is very different in like how that like organizational flow chart works. Yeah. Hopefully that was okay. Um, no, I think you explained it pretty well. Yeah. And it's so hard to understand when you are like in it because you really feel like you're doing something. I mean, I reached diamond, which like is one of the, I know, and which is one of the ranks. And that's the rank that people say to you, if you get to diamond, you will start taking off. Mm-hmm. And so that's like what you fight for the entire time you're in this MLM. And I got to diamond guys. Okay. My paycheck <laughs> from Beachbody went up, get this $36 a week. Wow. wow. Don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> 
that's enough for like five things at the grocery store. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. You're not buying meat (laughs) or eggs. And so, but that $36 drove me. I was like, oh my God, $36 more a week. That's so much money. And it's like, but that doesn't like, that's like a coupon code on the crap that I'm buying every month. Like, holy crap. And then let's not, this is what like really kind of drove me out, thankfully, was getting Diamond, having people say, your business will take off as soon as you get Diamond. And then you have to fight to keep that rank, right? So Because everyone, all your coaches under you have to be spending money every month to stay active. And if you don't have someone who's active under you, you don't get your Diamond rank. Right. So me being the like, accomplishment driven person that I am was like, Oh my God, I have to keep diamond. And it helps my upline keep her rank too. And so I was legit messaging people, clients and coaches alike. Hey, can you please buy these, uh, granola bar or protein bars? So like, cause that's the cheapest thing on the website. Can you please make a purchase? I'll Venmo you the money. And it's like, Okay, bitch. So that $36 that was on your paycheck, you are now spending, sending it to people to spend money and helping them spend money. And then you're going to spend money yourself to stay active. So it's like, it's a vicious cycle, like of you just constantly throwing money at Beachbody and any MLM company you're at to stay diamond. And it's like, what even is diamond? Like what the fuck kind of like, right. What does that even mean? Yeah, like I it has no meaning in my life now. Like <laughs> and I think it's really interesting the way that this kind of happens within these organizations because I think that the MLM itself has really been able to be like, look at my hands are clean. I don't tell anyone to do these things. Like yeah. it's so interesting and I think that's why we like are having such a hard time getting these organizations regulated because it's all like these like internal things that are happening. And like, there are so many times that people will do things like what you were just doing where no one tells you to do that. Yeah. But like somehow like you're, you get so caught up in it that you're like, okay, if I just do this, if I just do this, it will keep it going. Like you're playing like this game of like, it's literally like a video game of like trying to like feed all of these things. Yeah. Um, But it's real life and it's, not a game. And it's in it's people's bank accounts. Like I I think about like how much I struggle with my relationship with money. And that's probably because of the MLM I was in. But um like how dare I assume that people have $40 laying around? Like it that's just it's just so sad, sad to look back at my old self and being like, I was totally okay with asking these really awesome people. Hey, can you spend these $40 so I can keep my rank? Thank you. Like how, how fucked up is that? Like, I just, I feel so bad. And I messaged, um, one of the quote coaches that were on my team and cause her and her and I were like pretty close at the time. Obviously it was like a transactional relationship, but I, I messaged her apologizing. Cause I was like, I am so sorry. Like you are such a good person, you know, like, like 
I'm so sorry for like roping you into that, but, but she responded and she was like, you know, it's not your fault. Like it's okay. And I was just beating myself up over like these things that I did. And like, it took me until now, like years later to like process it. And it's kind of like similar to the mindset of like, like for me specifically, not comparing the experiences because they're totally different. But like with my sexual assault experiences, I constantly have to remind myself, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Like you didn't do this. This was other people. And it's kind of similar to the healing for MLM that I've had to do is like, it's not my fault that I was in that mindset and constantly, you know, asking people to spend money and like sharing my trauma to get, (laughs) to get new people. Like, yes, I am the one who did those actions, but I was literally like brainwashed into thinking that doing these things was going to help them. It was going to help me. It was going to help my upline and her upline. And it was going to help everybody. Right. But like, it was so damaging. And like, I just, you know, I don't know. It's just, if you are like in one and you are like feeling guilty for some, like something you said to somebody or, you know, if you are newly out of it and you're still feeling guilty for things that you did, like, it's okay. Like you're a human. We're all humans here. And like, you know, we do things because we're brainwashed and like, that's okay. (laughs) Exactly. Like we really underestimate the power of like manipulative behavior and especially like manipulative behavior for a unjust cause. Um, and it's, it's just so like we experience manipulation all of the time, right? Like you can watch a commercial on TV and like be manip- like you're being manipulated all the time, all the time. So like, it's so hard to like kind of see manipulation for what it is, especially in this context, especially when you're in it. Um, and once you're finally out, it's so hard to explain because we are constantly like surrounded by different manipulative behavior. Um, and it just makes it really muddy and gross. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. And it's really hard in the moment to, to kind of like know what is manipulation and what's like, just, you know gonna benefit or you're thinking that it's gonna benefit you so yeah it's really right it's 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 really hard so what like how did you get out what was that part of your story like yeah so yeah so it was kind of like it was not sudden it was not like an aha moment but I had gotten diamond and then I had somebody quit obviously because you know she was like trying to watch out for her finances and she was like you know what I just I can't afford it right now and me I was like I was so upset I was like oh my god I'm gonna lose my rank like we worked so hard to get here why are you backing out now like and I didn't say these things I was obviously like like me being the person I am I was like okay I totally get it but like behind the scenes I was like what am I gonna do what am I gonna do I worked so hard to get here and so that's when I started being like, okay, um, how come one person's decision just like completely like disregarded my rank? Like I lost my rank because she decided she wanted to spend her money elsewhere and that's not fair. And so I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) 
how come one person's decision can like totally impact my quote career that I've built in business that I built with this MLM. And, um, that's when I started like kind of seeing the lights, you know? And so there was another time I was on, like around that same time, I was on a call listening to my uplines upline brainwash us. And my roommate, she's like my best friend, (laughs) but, um, she was listening in and she was like, that sounds like a cult. And I was like, yeah, it kind of does. Right. Like, and I was like, I have to take everything she says with a grain of salt and why, like, and then I was like, why do I hate everything she says? Like, why do I feel like it's wrong? Because it is like everything she was saying was wrong. And, um, so I closed out that call and I was like, you know what? You're right. Let's just like drink wine and watch a movie. Like we usually do like be normal humans. And for the longest time, it was like for two, two to three years of my life, I was like, I'm not allowed to sit and watch TV because I have to be working on my business. If I'm not working on my business in my free time, then what am I doing? So like all throughout 2020, when everyone was like playing Animal Crossing and watching movies and watching TV shows, I was head on into my business. And so when I started seeing the light, I kind of looked back at the last few years and I was like, what do I have to prove for the last couple of years? Like I have before and after photos and like selfies of myself and I'm not even making that much money. And so like, it was just kind of eye-opening in a, in a way. And like, I know my, my friend knows that like, she was kind of part of it of her saying that was like, yeah, it, it's kind of a cult, you know? And so I still continue to like, kind of do it, but I was spending more and more time with people and like having quality time, like watching Twilight over and over and like (laughs) (laughs) having Twilight marathons and like all these things that like now looking back, they're very small things. Like those are very, but I was finally like doing quality time with people and it felt good. Like it felt so free. And so very gradually I, I worked my quote business less and less and less Until I finally was like, you know, I just don't think, I just don't think I want to spend my time on this anymore. And then I watched like the LuLaRoe documentary. Yes. And that was like, I was like, wait a minute. I see myself in a lot of these people. And I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm, I, it's not for me. And so I continued to keep my, um, like coach discount. So I continued to pay the $15 a month to stay a coach because I was like, well, you know, the workouts were good. Like I thought the workouts were good. Right, I know right. we, we talked off camera about this, but, um, they're not good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but at the time I thought they were great. And I was like, you know, I did get results and, Um, I'll keep the shakes because, you know, they gave me results. Um, they gave me UTIs, but they gave me results. Um, and that's, yeah. Yeah. So my doctor, um, I was having chronic UTIs and I was like, oh, you know, it must be my anatomy. Like, you know, just some people just get them really easily. And I was one of those people. So I thought, (laughs) and so my doctor was like, or my gyno, she was like, are you, do you drink any shakes or anything? And I was like, yeah. And so I showed her the ingredients of Shakeology and she was like, 
you need to stop drinking this right now. And I was like, wait, no, like I can't. And she was like, it's way too much vitamin C and it's too acidic for your body to handle. And it's giving you UTIs. And she was like, so stop drinking these and see what happens. And I was like, I cried on the way home because of how brainwashed I was into thinking that these shakes changed my life. Like, how could I go a day without drinking these shakes? And I called my mom crying and I was like, I just don't know what I'm going to do because they're so good. And like, you know, they, they've made me, <laughs> which they're trash, but like, <laughs> I thought they were good. And like, um, you know, obviously it was making me sick. And so I decided to try the vegan option because they have a vegan option. And I didn't get UTIs as much as I did drinking the vegan. So I thought the vegan was fine. I was like, you know, I was telling people like, oh, well, just for me, the regular Shakeology is too acidic. So you can try the vegan one. Like I personally like the vegan one, so you should try it. And um, so the vegan like didn't give me UTIs as much, but I still got them pretty easy. And so, yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that that came like organically up because I meant to bring that up um, earlier, but yeah, yeah it, it was like, I really thought my life was over because wow. I couldn't drink them. Wow. I, yeah. I haven't heard that one. I mean, that makes sense. Like, it, yeah. Um, but like, oh my God, mm-hmm. like to actually have. And so when you stopped taking them completely, did your UTIs go away? Oh, I, I rarely get them. Like, even if I like chill out in like a wet bathing suit or like, you know, wear underwear, that's not like a cotton, not thong, like, you know, the things that you have to do to like prevent a UTI. Yeah. If I like do one of those things, I still don't, I don't get them anymore. Like, it's like crazy. Like how, how sad I was like putting that in my body every single day for like three years. Wow. Yeah. So don't drink Shakeology, <laughs> but yeah. So any, anyways, but I still wanted to continue to do the things that made me have physical appearance changes. Um, and so I still like kept all that for like a few months and then I stopped using the shake. So I was like, I'm not going to spend my money on that. I'm going to cancel that. And then I stopped using the workouts because I wanted to do like I really like doing classes because it helps me like actually do the, the right workouts. And so I started doing um, like yoga and bar and I was like, I don't need. Oh, and I also had a Peloton in my apartment gym. So I was like, I don't need Beachbody anymore. So I'm going to cancel that. And then I completely canceled my account. And it was like when I finally did that months later after like soft quitting. Yeah, <laughs> it just felt so freeing. Like it was just like a big relief and like weight off my shoulders, just finally canceling my account. Absolutely. And I think that that's like, honestly, that soft quitting is really, I think the way to go most of the time. Um, You know, obviously, unless like maybe you're listening to this podcast and it's the instant wake up call that you needed or whatever. But I think that a lot of people do really well when they soft quit. Mm -hmm. of like slowly kind of backing out and like very organically learning like how this is not affecting or not benefiting them Mm -hmm. um whereas people that kind of like 
unless you actually are like getting the education as like it's happening. Most of the time, people that just like quit and end up going to another MLM right away. Um, And also I think soft quitting is really good in regards to the like group dynamic of not getting harassed. Right. Yeah. Of like actually leaving the group. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a girl who does, she has a YouTube channel now. She's an anti MLM, like YouTube creator. And, um, when she left, I I mean, I feel so bad because I was part of like the, not the, I didn't say anything to her, but I talked mad shit about her. And like, when she left, we were all like, oh my God, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe she's, you know, talking about her, like, like, uh, shitting on Beachbody all the time now. Like, you know, I can't believe she's saying all this stuff. And thinking back, I'm like, she was the smart one. (laughs) (laughs) And so now like I, I get like notifications on my phone, like, you know, she posted. And so, um, like watching her stuff is, it's kind of relieving because she was in it with me, you know, like we were at the conference together and like, you know, she, we were doing the things and she finally saw the light and like got out. And now that entire core team that we were on, I don't think any of us are doing it anymore. So it's nice to see that like pretty much everybody got out. One person went to Mary Kay after and, but like, you can't, you can't blame them. I mean, like I can't, I did a lot of like hustle culture things after too. And this is one of the things I wanted to bring up is like how it, once you quit, even if you soft quit, you still feel like you need to be doing something and creating another business, creating something. And there are so many times where I like created an Instagram account that I was going to make like, you know, healthy eating, like balanced eating and like stuff like that. But like, I'm not certified in nutrition. I'm not like, I'm not a a physical, a personal trainer. Like I'm not certified in these things, but I still thought that I was like capable of helping people, you know, find balance without an MLM and like all this stuff. But like, so for a few years, I still constantly like hyper fixated on a certain thing that was still hustle culture. And like, that's why my friend and I, for our podcast, we took a year off because we were both still in that hustle culture mindset of like, hop like not business hopping because they're not actual businesses but just like kind of hobby hopping in a way um but very MLM vibes you know what I mean so we were get we were putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to like we have to do this and we have to do it this way and we have to like you know it was we were still bringing our MLM into real life and like they're completely separate you know so so um but taking that pressure off of yourself to just slow down Mm -hmm. and like know that it's okay you don't have to you don't always have to be striving for a side income like you can do things out of the enjoyment of doing it like you don't have to like be making money off of something you enjoy you can do something you enjoy and just do it and like not expect any outcome so, I love that you said that because this is something that our society like super pushes to is that like, if you love something, make it a job. If you love something, make it a job. Like yeah. everything has to turn into like some sort of profit or income. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing something you love to work for. Like, that's fine. 
But also there's nothing wrong with having a job that pays your bills that you can tolerate. Obviously not something that you walk into work every day and think about like wanting to off yourself. Like that's not okay. Like find a different right. job. Yeah. But like, um, like if, as long as you're like happy enough and like you're getting your needs met, there's no reason that you can't do the things that you love outside of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that it was really hard for me to understand. Like I can go to work and get my paycheck and get my health insurance and get my PTO days and tolerate it, enjoy it. Like I, I really do enjoy what I do. Um, but like, I don't have to be making a side income with like my podcast. Like, for example, we were trying so hard to get people to listen and finding new listeners and doing this and doing this and like editing it this way. And we're coming from a different angle now because we both took some so much time off healing that we're like, let's just talk. Like we both love talking. We love oversharing. We love sharing our opinions. So let's just talk and like yeah. do it. And so, Absolutely. yeah, so we're like, you know, I, and I'm super excited to finally be kind of like, I keep saying above the trees. Cause like there's a Taylor Swift song that like says, <laughs> that says that, but like, I'm really, I can see clear now and see all the things that I still need to work on, see all the things that like, you know, I handled myself or I healed myself from. And, um, we were talking off camera about this, but like, I'm starting to go to therapy now. And even in my first session, I like trauma vomited on her, you know, but like, I still didn't even bring up the MLM because it's kind of hard to realize that it's something you have to heal from. Yeah. And it's kind of embarrassing. Like it feels embarrassing. And, and that, go ahead. No, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, so I just wanted to comment on like, like, I know that like, we kind of use the word like trauma bomb or trauma dumping or whatever. Um, but just so you know, like it's, it's definitely okay for you to do that in therapy. <laughs> like that is the spot that is the, that is the perfect spot to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it takes some finessing to do it outside of that, um, location to make sure you're not like triggering everyone around you. But, um, I, I think that sometimes like people think that they're doing something wrong when they do that and they're not like you've probably waited a really long time to like tell that to the person that you needed to tell it to so it was like yeah. great I'm here <laughs> <laughs> that and that's totally okay and that's totally fine and like there's no like there's no shame in doing that and also I think that this is one of the issues with the anti-MLM space is that um you know, we have a lot of people that are healing and that are hurt and that are very reactive because they are hurt. Yeah. And when you're hurt, oftentimes you say like not great things. And so, um, or, you know, maybe you're not someone that was in an MLM and you just see it and you're like, oh, this is so frustrating. Like, you know, you know, you, you were able to see the, the light and able to see that these things weren't good. So it's so frustrating when you see other people getting into them. I like, I get it. I also get very frustrated when I see people join MLMs. Cause I'm like, why, why don't you see that? Like, why don't you see my content? Like we're friends. Um, <laughs> and you know, it makes it really hard for people to talk about it. And that's why, like, I try so hard to have this podcast and like Roberta has her podcast and other people have places where you can share your story in like a compassionate lens because 
we're human. We make mistakes. We get manipulated. Things happen. And we need to be able to share these stories and heal from them and not be like continuously shamed and called stupid for doing these things. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're not stupid. We trusted people. Right. Like, yeah. Be able to trust people. Yeah. And like I when I first quit, it was really hard for me to talk about, like with my friends, with my boyfriend, like I kind of just pretended like it wasn't a thing. Um, and then like, I started like slowly sharing on like my social media and you kind of feel like you have to like announce it in a way. <laughs> it's yeah. like, Hey, PS, I'm not in that anymore. <laughs> like I, I, and it's still hard feeling like, like interacting with people on social media. Um, I don't want them to think that I want anything from them anymore. And like at the time I was like, no, I'm, I'm making genuine connections. And I wasn't, I was like, I had a motive. And like, there's a lot of things that I said to people that obviously didn't reply that I'm like, that was fucked. Like, but like, I'm a human and it happened. And so now that I'm like on the other side, it's like, it's okay. Like I have a lot of compassion for like my past self because I really, I genuinely thought I was like doing good things. And I don't know, like, it just feels good to talk about because I feel like people still struggle thinking that like, I want something out of what I'm saying or interacting on social media when legit, I'm just like, no, like, I really like that dress. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's all I wanted to say. I just wanted to say you look hot. Like, you know, yeah, it is yeah. what it is. Um, but like, there's a lot of people who I've like rekindled friendships with that. I'm like, Hey, like, just so you know, I'm not in that anymore. Like I genuinely want to like catch up. Yeah, yeah. Like I actually want to go get coffee with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like even posting on social media, I've had to take a big break from and like taking pictures of myself. Like in the past year, I, I barely have any photos of myself because I just, I wanted to like enjoy life. And like, yeah. I take pictures of like things I see and like, I take selfies with people I'm with because I'm like, oh, I just genuinely want this as a memory. And like, I take picture of like food I'm eating. And like it, for a while I was only posting on my story, like who I'm with and the location I'm at and like a picture of like my drink or my food, not saying anything. Like I was very quiet and it was just like, it made me realize how much I kind of missed in those couple years. But now that I'm out of it, I can genuinely enjoy the little things like going on a walk with my boyfriend. I don't have to like post saying, oh, you know, I'm staying healthy and walking and like enjoying the outdoors. Like nobody needs to know I went on a walk yesterday (laughs) and nobody needs to know I was sick a month ago. Like you don't have, I not sharing every single detail of my life has Mm -hmm. felt so liberating and has done a lot for like how I see life. Yeah. So yeah, I've actually, um, this past year really took the time to like separate my Instagram accounts. So like I have a personal Instagram that's private and then I have my, um, podcast Instagram, which yeah. is not. And before I was, um, sharing everything to my podcast Instagram, like all of my life, everything that was going on, like, I really wanted to like grow engagement on there. And then I was like thinking about it and I was like, the podcast Instagram is for the podcast. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Like occasionally I'll share something, you know, or like, you know, I'll share like advocacy things for different groups that I'm really passionate about. But mm-hmm. like, why am I sharing like all of my life 
in here and I was like, oh my God, like I'm still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I like really like trimmed out, like I privated my personal account. I like kicked some people out of it. Like, cause I had some people that kind of trickled over and I was mm-hmm. like, I really want to make this a spot for people that I'm like friends with. Like, right. this is, yeah. like, not that I don't, you know, care about all of the people that listen to my podcast, but like, this is my like personal life and my personal space. And like, where I want to be able to share my, my personal, personal stuff if I want to. Yeah. And like, it's been a really interesting journey. Cause like, I think that I was also kind of caught in like hustle culture mm-hmm. in that way too, of like yeah. always having to share. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's almost like I was like exposing myself and it's like, I was like exploiting my life and like my relationships with people and like, you know, making relationships part of my brand, like what the hell? And so like, it's just, it's been hard. It's been honestly like a hard transition of like, not everyone needs to know what is going on. And like, you get so used to being like, oh yeah. Like I I know a lot of like beach body coaches who would share like, oh, my boyfriend and I, we got an argument last night. Like, why do people need to know that? And it's like, but they were like, well, you have to be real because people want to see your life. And like, people want to see, like, they follow you for you. Like you are your own brand. And it's like, you can have a life and share what you want and enjoy what you don't share on your own. Like there's billions of people in the world. No one cares that you were sick. Right. <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know. It's just been, it's been kind of a hard transition, but kind of going cold Turkey and, and like taking selfies and like everything like that really helped because now I'm like, I have a, and now I kind of want to start taking like solo photos again when I like look hot or whatever. Right. But, um, for a long time, I didn't want to do that because it felt like anything I posted had a motive. And I didn't want people thinking that anymore because I, I, there is no motive. I just want to like say whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's such a hard comeback, especially you're right. Like when you feel like you kind of need to announce it and like, also, you know, what if people like forget that you're not in it anymore and it's like, okay, well, like I'm not taking this picture just for you to like buy my stuff and yeah. I want you to actually just like care about me and give me attention because yeah, yeah. I mean that's like my the point post. of social oh, media wow. <laughs> um yeah. but yeah so I also wanted to like pivot because we talked about you being like a tra- uh, recruiter in like your oh, yeah. real life job so like I know that we've been talking for a really long time so I <laughs> if we could kind of just like briefly talk about like what you notice as a difference between like being an MLM in an MLM and recruiting people versus like doing that for a job Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thankfully I don't have the, uh, recruiting job where I have to like message people on LinkedIn. Oh, that's Um, yeah. So like, and that's fine if that's what you have to do. But for me, it would give me like reminders of my MLM days where I'm like sliding in people's DMS, like, you know, um, the typical, like, Hey girl message. And, um, so I don't have to do that. I like actually go on campus and recruit people, um, and talk to students about what they're interested in and what roles we have. Um, and I'm actually trying to like help them find a path for their career. And I don't have like a selfish 
I mean, it's my job. So, but like, I don't have a selfish motive because I don't get extra money by recruiting them. Um, so it feels a lot more genuine. It doesn't feel as like icky. Like I felt like when people would say no to me in the MLM space, um, I would get offended and I'd be like, oh my God, like how, how can you turn this opportunity down? Like, I just don't understand. But like now it's like, oh, you don't want to, you know, we don't have any engineering roles. We only have sales roles and you're interested in engineering. Okay. Have a great life. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's like the big difference too, right? Like nobody is offended when somebody said like, I mean, like in a funny way, we're offended, right? When somebody says, like, I don't want to shop at Target. Um, <laughs> you know, like, we're all like, oh, Target. But, like, if, like, you don't want to shop at Target, like, nobody cares. Like, nobody, like, yeah. your Target employees are not offended or whatever. And, like, it just goes to show, like, when you are recruiting in an MLM, you're, and they tell you this, you're not selling the product. You're selling yourself. Yeah. Ugh. And And that's why you're offended because people aren't turning down the product. They're turning down you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like nobody likes being rejected, right? Like, and it's kind of like, maybe you guys should make your products so good that like, you don't need MLM reps. Like why? I just don't understand like why, you know what I mean? They can make money off of like a good product. That's like why there's a business model of having a product having it be great and it's selling. Right. Like I I don't understand why they have to have people to sell it right. and sell themselves. Like it's just and it just like recruiting in the corporate world, it's like I don't have to like like obviously I have to present myself as professional and I have to like, you know, build relationships and stuff, but I don't have to like sell myself. Like I kind of keep my my private life private. And I don't have to tell students on campus like, oh yeah, like I went through this traumatic experience. So, and it helped me. So you should also join me because, you know, maybe you're struggling. Right. (laughs) And so we can actually like make genuine connections and be like, oh, you're interested in, in sales. Like, let's get you going. Like, we'll support you. We'll help you. And genuinely help them and not like expect to make any extra money off of it so I don't know it sounds like it feels very very different yeah it doesn't feel and I I guess I never compared the two so Mm -hmm. I never thought about it until now but like it just doesn't feel grimy it doesn't feel like if I'm rejected if someone like doesn't like want to like have a job at the company I'm at okay (laughs) there's like okay, that's fine. That's fair. You know, like go to a different company. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm not like offended. I don't have any negative feelings when, when that happens, I'm just kind of like, okay, on to the next, like, it's not a big deal. But when I would get rejected in the MLM, like, especially if they went to a different MLM, I'm like, oh my God, how dare you go to like, it's like the same products, but different brand name pretty much. And it's like, like when people would go to like it works or Arbon, I'm like, oh my God, like Beach Body's so much better. Why are they doing that? Like, and I would get so offended. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Exactly. I remember that feeling too. Like when I was in Plexus, I hated Arbon, which is so funny because 
I then went to Arbonne. Um, but like, I remember when I was in Plexus, they were like, oh, they have so many products, like pick a lane, like skincare yeah. and, and wellness and makeup. And like, it's just like, oh, you're doing, they're doing too many things. How can they be good at all of those things? Like, okay. So like, let's just take that aside. Like people and companies can, can, they, they can be good at more than one thing. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But there are some, there's one, uh, company Modair. Have -hmm. you heard of Modair? Okay. So they have like cleaning products and nutrition and skincare. And it's like, I'm sorry to be that person, like pick a lane, but like, I wouldn't trust Dawn to make me skincare. That's fair. Like, and it's interesting though, too, because like, okay, like we're totally leaving MLM world a little bit here, but like, so like prop, prop, Procter and Gamble is that what it's called yeah like they own like almost everything Kraft owns almost everything it doesn't Kraft or is Kraft and Procter and Gamble the same company or are they separate probably <laughs> uh, but like you know what I mean like yeah. they own like Kraft owns like everything and then Procter and Gamble owns like everything so like essentially everyone like we're like we really are falling under like three monopolies of products yeah. and then we're like why do like like I wouldn't trust Dawn to make this like Dawn does make probably <laughs> <laughs> probably probably actually yeah but like still it's just kind of like I don't know I don't yeah, know I, I get what you're saying though like it, it does well anyways Modera is the worst in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all the worst. <laughs> it like, and I, I like, I still follow some people who are like in MLMs just because I am like so interested now in like the psychology of it all. Yeah. And like, there are a few people who are in Modair and they're always sick. Yeah. That's scary. And, and I think, I, I think it just like hits me a little closer to home because I was always sick. I always had a UTI. Like it was constant. Like there was a month where there was two months. I was on antibiotics for two months straight because my UTI got so bad and I was still drinking the shakes because like, hello, I have to have results. Well, also and- you didn't know. And you're probably thinking, well, like I'm really sick. This is like the healthiest meal of the day. Cause that's what they tell you. So yeah. you're like, at least I'm doing this one thing for myself. That's really good while I'm sick. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's obviously not going to help me and it's going to make it worse. So, oh God, it just sucks because it's like, it's not as quality products as they tell you. Like they told us that they legit work with like, and it makes no sense thinking back, but they told us that, uh, you know, they work with the farmers directly and they make sure that it's grown in the best soil. And it's like, what does that even mean? Like, what so like they were saying that you know the ingredients are so high quality and so so good and so good for you and it's like it wasn't but they they say that so that they can overprice it and say oh this is quality like you're paying for quality here okay and it's like all of the nutrition you need in a day in a cup and it's like that sounds great <laughs> Right. Obviously I'm going to buy it, but it's not good for you. It's too much for your body to handle. Like your body can't handle that many supplements. Like it's not designed to take in that many supplements in a day. Like you can get your nutrition by eating vegetables and eating fruits and eating real food and carbs. (laughs) Right. Carbs are not the enemy. Carbs are not the enemy. And like 
you don't have to measure every single, like they have portion containers. And I was measuring every single serving that I was eating of carbs and meat and, you know, all the things. And you can have more than like, get this, you can have more than two little tiny cups of carbs a day. It's actually really good for you. So it's just, it's just so, oh, there's so much that goes into the beach body and MLM world. There's just so many things that there, happen. There are so many things that are like so bad for us. And like I said at the beginning, like I think beach body hits so many components. Like, because like obviously working out is good for your physical health and it's good for your mental health. We talk about this all the time in the world about how like exercising is good for your mind, body, and soul, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like in a way, I think that beach body is almost like one of the most manipulative companies because of, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it, it is just so easy for them to hit all of those points. And like, they're able to put so much messaging into the workout videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like when you look at the things that autumn is saying, like, especially autumn, um, I think that she, in my opinion, is one of the most problematic trainers yeah. that they have. Um, like the diet culture and the fat phobia that is just riddled throughout her videos. Like, I feel so sad for how like unwell, like she must be like in her brain, like, like she thinks I, I, I would assume like, you know, this is definitely making assumptions about her. Like, I don't know her. Um, but I would assume that like, she probably has a lot of self image issues. Like she Mm -hmm. always has a six pack. Her body is always tight. It's always snatched up. Like that's like, and that's, that's fine. Like I am like, you know, obviously like six packs and whatever, but like, you know, like if you're always spending your time making sure that your body is that tight and that like thin like it's it's just sad like it just doesn't leave a lot of room for enjoying life and I know that she talks about how she enjoys her life by like making all of these dupes of things and like well this tastes just like shepherd's pie no it doesn't oh it doesn't shepherd's pie literally tastes like dog throw up (laughs) (laughs) there I feel so bad for my boyfriend because like in, in COVID, obviously, like you're not eating out, you're not going out. So I was like, I am going to dive into the healthy eating and I would make like knockoffs of like a ton of stuff. And I'd be like, it tastes just like it. And my boyfriend's like, no, the fuck it doesn't. <laughs> but like, but like the fact that it was healthy, I was like, no, I have to eat it this way. Yeah. And like, you know, there are things that you can be like, you know what? So for instance, I really struggle to get protein in. I don't know why I am so averse to like different protein sources. Like they just freak me out. I don't know. Like pretty much anything that has protein in it. I'm like, ew, I don't want to eat that. <laughs> um, So like I like use Greek yogurt when I make macaroni and cheese or like, mm-hmm. like I use Greek yogurt all of the time. Like I'll it's use it so for versatile. <laughs> it's, I love it. And I don't yeah. notice the difference. Like, I mean, if I were to eat sour cream and Greek yogurt next to each other, like I would know the difference obviously, yeah. but like, I, it doesn't, 
it doesn't affect me. And there are times where like, you know, you might be like, oh, well, like I can add this to this to give me a little bit of these extra nutrients. But like, really, that's like, that's my main messaging when we talk about foods is like, what can we add instead of why are we always focusing on taking things away? Yeah. Like if I can add a scoop of Greek yogurt to my macaroni and cheese and give me a little bit more protein, that's fine. Yeah. But like, if I'm focusing on, I'm going to add Greek yogurt instead of, and then I'm going to demonize the butter. If I'm going to demonize butter and demonize milk and add Greek yogurt, like that's a problem. Like it's all about like how you're really looking at these things. If you want to measure your food to make sure that you are getting enough nutrients, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But if measuring food is like a big trigger for you and all that you can think of is I can only eat this much, that's not okay. Yeah. it's really about like how you're looking at these foods and how you're like presenting them to yourself or these tools um, because diet culture has really taken them and turned them into something really dangerous. And it's a real slippery slope to being like, I'm going to eat healthy and like nourish my body to I'm going to replace everything with cauliflower. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. So like, and I've, be- after quitting Beachbody, I've had to do a lot of like mindfulness work and practicing like, um, okay, do I feel full? Yes or no. Yeah. And like really checking in with my body and being like, yes, I'm full. I'm going to stop eating. Or if I'm still hungry, I'm going to continue eating what I'm eating. And that's fine. Like it doesn't have to be measured. It does not have to be um, portioned. And like I can eat and enjoy food and you know, like still enjoy life, but still be healthy, like balanced. And so one of the things that has helped me is actually doing HelloFresh. And like, this is not an ad, I promise. (laughs) Um, But like legit, I started doing HelloFresh because I kind of lost sense of like eating a normal meal. Like everything that I ate for like two to three years was portioned and measured and it had to be healthy and it had to be this. And it had to be like, you know, no sauces, no butters, no oils. And doing HelloFresh has like helped me realize that like you can have a normal meal and have it be balanced. And like, I only order like the, the fit quote fit and wholesome, uh, like plan on there. Cause you can like, you know, change it. And so, but like, it's not the healthiest thing in the world. It's still pretty like high in sodium and stuff, which is fine, but like, that's okay. Cause I enjoy the food. It tastes right. good. And it's helped me when like I skip the weeks or whatever, like it's helped me think in my head, okay, I can do chicken, potatoes, and asparagus balance. Like, and it's still like, that's good. That's a great meal. Right. So like doing that has helped me like kind of realign the way I eat. Um, And on top of that, from like a workout perspective, because for two to three years I was working out to get results and I have to look skinny and I have to, you know, use that to, to gain clients and gain coaches. But now I do a lot of yoga and bar. And at the end of every class, you really tune in with yourself and you, and I practice the mindfulness and I'm, I'm like thinking, okay, how did I feel during this workout? Did it make me feel good? Do I feel good after? And that's all that matters. And like, I give myself credit for like getting up early and going And it feels good to know that like, I'm not doing it to get results. I'm doing it because it makes me feel good. Like I I enjoy yoga. Like 
I enjoy like challenging myself with balancing and stretching and all the things. And like, it's just such a difference in like how I'm working out and eating because like, but like, it's taken me a long time to get to this place of like, I have to accept the fact that like, I'm larger than I was when I was in beach body because I wasn't eating. I was starved. <laughs> right. And also like, <coughs> excuse me. Um, these, uh, like for people that are, <coughs> excuse me. Oh my God. Getting hit with, um, these, uh, nutrition or health and wellness, weight loss, uh, MLMs right in their early twenties. Like we're transitioning from our child body to our adult body. And especially for people who, um, are assigned female at birth, you are, um, your hips and your body is getting like, it's, it's preparing yourself to potentially make children. So like your body is getting ready for you to be able to do that if it hasn't already. So like, you're going to notice changes. You're going to notice that your fat distribution is different and that's normal. And as you get older, you do usually hold on to fat in different spots and more of it. And, and it's so normal, but because we have spent our entire like adolescence and young adulthood focusing on how to change our bodies and make it smaller and smaller and smaller and more and more childlike, we have so much shame around our adult bodies. And it's so sad. It's so sad. It's so problematic. And I still like make comments, um, like to my boyfriend and, um, like yesterday I made a comment about it. Like we were looking at, um, I was bringing up like old pictures for some reason. And I was like, Oh, the one thing I liked about Beachbody was that I was so skinny. And he was like, yeah, but like, aren't you actually like happy now? And I was like, yeah, like I can eat fried food and not cry and not feel guilty about it. Like, and like, but those thoughts still linger. And like, that's what I'm trying. I guess like my point is like, when like just be nice to yourself like when you get out of an MLM especially if it's around body image and working out and eating like and even if you're not like even if you're just dealing with like the normal diet culture stuff like be nice to yourself like let yourself enjoy life is way too short to be focusing on our stomach our whole life when like it's going to change naturally as we get older we're going to, our body's going to look different. We're going to, and like, it's meant to, like right. your body's meant to be developing into like a person. Like, right. It's just, it is life. It's, it's really interesting. So, I mean, I've shared on the podcast before that I'm in recovery for a binge eating disorder and um, courtesy of all of the wellness MLMs that I've been in through my twenties. Um, and now that I'm like in recovery the other day, like it's been such a journey of like letting myself like rediscover fruit food and, um, understanding like when to stop when I'm full and all of that stuff. But during that process, I have definitely gained weight. Um, and now the, so like, 
when it comes to thoughts around changing my body, it's like, okay, like it's getting like weirdly hard for me to tie my shoes and put my shoes on. And that's a problem. So like my new goal is now like, I want to make sure that I can like bend over and tie my shoes and not be like exhausted or uncomfortable, like putting my leg up to tie my shoe. Like, why is that uncomfortable? I don't want that to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and like, that's such a shift, right. Between like, I need to make myself smaller and like, I should be able to tie my shoes. Yeah. Like very yeah. different trains of thought. Um, it obviously it's still very hard and like those diet culture thoughts still like pop up. But like if that like when you're able to shift your goals to be like, how can I improve my quality of life mm-hmm. and not focused on how can I improve the quality of how people see me? Um, or how I'm seeing myself through other people's eyes, like it's just such a different experience. It really is. And like, I, I'm kind of, when I'm like going in, obviously it's the new year. So everyone has like resolutions and all these things. And like my resolution this year is just to like, I don't know, just like live a better life. Like, and that does not surround like the way I look. Like, I just want to like be happy. And like, I want to like move my body and go outside because it feels good. Like, it's good for you to like go on a walk. It's good for you to like, you know, go do yoga or whatever, whatever gives you life, like continue to do the things that bring you life and like bring you happiness and everything else will fall together. Like I, I, and it's kind of the same thing. Like, I don't want to be tired when I go up the stairs. So I'm going to like go on a walk every once in a while, (laughs) like, like move my body a little bit more because it feels good. Not because I want to like look a certain way. And that's, easier said than done. Like I still think about obviously like my body image and how I see it, but like, it's just, there's such a freedom and like focusing on the feel good aspect and not how you look. Absolutely. So. All right. I feel like we could go on forever. We could. (laughs) You are so easy to talk to. And I feel like we share so many common like alities in our lives and just like what we've gone through. So I, I just really appreciate you and like what we've talked about today. Is there anything that like we missed that you really wanted to talk about before I ask you my final question? No, I think we actually covered everything and um, I'm pretty proud of us because it it felt very organic, but I had a list of things in my head. I think we covered everything. Nice. Awesome. Well then what is your anti MLM? Why? Okay. Um, so since quitting, my anti-MLM why is legit just like enjoying the little things in life, like spending time with people I love and my pets and, you know, watching, enjoying playing Animal Crossing for five hours and like, <laughs> like enjoying watching Twilight and, you know, like doing whatever I want to do because I can and just like being present. Like it, it just my camera roll is so different now. Like I, I did a TikTok uh, last week and it was like comparing my, my camera roll before 2020 and then comparing my camera roll after. And instead of like before and afters of my body, it is pictures with my nieces, pictures with my friends and my boyfriend and food that I'm eating that I'm enjoying and like places I'm going because I just want to go. Like, it's just so freeing like enjoying the small things in life without having a motive so that's my why that's amazing thank yeah. you so much oh where can people find you tell us about your podcast so that way people can you know maybe start listening before you guys reboot 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my personal Instagram is val.burns, V-A-L dot B-Y-R-N-E-S. And then our podcast is called, um, this is 20 pod. And I do it with my friend, Allison. And I know she won't care if I drop her name because we're on a podcast together. Um, and so the handle for Instagram is this is 20 pod. So spelled out, um, there's no numbers or anything. So you can, you can spell it out, but <laughs> if you go to my personal Instagram, it's tagged. So yeah. And, there. um, you can send me all of that and I can put it in the show notes too. Oh, cool. That okay. way, um, people can just click it and they'll find you. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much. This was amazing. This is such a great episode. I'm so happy that you came on and that you were so open. And just again, like, I really want to thank you for being so vulnerable and like sharing such like deeply personal things on the podcast with us, because like, they are really hard things to talk about and they're conversations that need to be had. So thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great discussion and I feel ready to talk about it on my own podcast now. Like I just, I really think what you're doing is so great and thank you for being so welcoming and like, you're a very comforting human. So thank Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Uh, You can tag me in it. You can tag Val in it. Um, And I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. Bye. Bye. Hey, Huns. I just wanted to take a second to tell you guys about Acorn. And no, this is not a sponsored ad. Acorn is a robo-investing account that I've been using to manage my money since I've started my own small business. I honestly had no idea what I was doing in regards to saving for the future, but knew I needed to start somewhere and thought this was a great way to get the ball rolling. I really like the interactive graphics and watching what's going on with my money. If this is something that you feel interested in, feel free to click the link in my bio to start your own Acorn account and we'll both get $5 added in our accounts for our investing future. Happy savings!